When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On this episode of Big Drive Energy, we talked to Eric Hallberg, who's been across the pond, caddied for his dad in opens. We talk about stories from across the pond. We talk about the Scottish Open and Xander Schauffele winning again. And then we preview the 151st Open Championship at St. Andrews this coming week. Great episode, a lot of stuff, a lot of stories for you. So let's tee it up. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... Screen mashed potatoes? That was mashed. Welcome into Big Drive Energy. This episode is brought to you by a new sponsor. New sponsor <laughs> Pins and Aces is the official sponsor of Big Drive Energy. I'm rocking a Pins and Aces hat right now. Their gear is sick. It's way better than any of the other knockoff gear you see out there. We can't keep it in the pro shop. They have polos, they have hats, they have golf bags, and they have the infamous beer sleeve. You can keep seven beers cold in your bag for the entire round. So check out pinsandaces.com. Use our code BDE, like Big Drive Energy, and you get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. So make sure to go over to pinsandaces.com, get all your gear for the golf course. It's the best looking gear out there. We're rocking it all the time. Every TikTok we do, people are always like, hey, where can I get this? Where can I get that? Well, that's right. You can get it at pinsandaces.com and use our promo code BDE to get 15% off plus free shipping. We got a special episode today. Um, We got a recurring guest, uh, first time recurring guest, I think. Actually, we've had maybe one guest on more than once. Uh, love to welcome on the, the man, the myth, the legend, Eric Hallberg. Um, we started this podcast about two years ago now, almost coming up on two years, had Eric on, had the boys on, had some great stories and now he's back. Um, so welcome Eric. Thanks for joining us today, brother. And, uh, I'm excited to, excited to talk to you again after we uh, played, got to play golf with you in, in Phoenix. And now we're, now we're talking, talking some golf with you. 
We're back. The boys are back in town, baby. And the yeah, boys are back. The boys are back. And uh, thanks for having me. You guys are awesome. Um, any listeners out there that have questions about these guys, they're the real deal. I mean, <laughs> what you see is what you get. Um, yeah. I got gotten to spend a lot of time against uh, with both these guys. So thanks for having me, guys. Hey, real quick before we talk about golf, uh, we've mentioned it on the podcast a few times, but just want to oh, get a third third person perspective on uh, Mitchell at the steak dinner we had in Arizona that night. Oh, what a night! I mean, never forget, uh, dude. When, I don't remember any of it. I can't. I I fuck at Durant's. That's the place, right? Durant's, the most legendary steakhouse in Phoenix, and uh, you know Mitchell enjoyed a steak and a nap. And we all enjoyed awesome steaks, but you know, fortunately, Mitch got a couple hours of sleep while we were at it. Dude, but hey, that that espresso martini. We sat down at the bar and had an espresso martini, and it put me over the edge. Like, I yeah. I slightly remember getting to our table and then sitting next to Brendan, and then I was just gone. And then Spencer shows me a picture the next morning of me like with my arm around Brandon. I'm like, Oh my God, I was just fucking, first of all, I didn't know how I got home. So I was like, where am I? And then second of all, I was like, Oh, I regret the next day. My only regret the next day was not taking that untouched filet off your plate and taking it home with me. Dude, I was, I was so pissed at Spencer. I was like, what the fuck, man? You couldn't even like make me a doggy bag. I paid what (laughs) at least a hundred bucks for that dinner and fucking had nothing to show for it. Yeah. But hey, worth, worth the price of admission for me, uh, Spence and, and Brendan. Buddy, it was all I could do to get us in that fucking Ford Fiesta and get us home safely. <laughs> I wasn't worried about your fucking piece of meat. You should have been. That was fucking, I, dude. Nothing would have hit better than like a leftover fillet. Like, oh, talk about, one. yeah, like looking out for drunk you. Like that would have been fire. But you know, at least we. We made it home in one piece and nothing happened to the rental car. So I'll take that as a W. And we got a story to tell. 100%. <laughs> making making memories. Uh, so we in this podcast are going to kind of talk to Eric about uh, he's been to Renaissance Club where they just hosted the Scottish Open. Of course, you've heard it on the pod multiple times. Mitchell's played St. Andrews, the old course where Not the a big Open deal. Championship will be this week. So I'm officially going to mute my mic and just let these guys go at it. <laughs> um, but no, we're going to kind of talk about the Scottish Open. Uh, another win for Xander Schauffele. He's just all of a sudden trying to win at the Open for his third win and his third start. Uh, and then talk about our picks and preview for the upcoming 150th, which is crazy to think about. Like that's what 18, 1880 ish or no, 1890ish, but there's also a couple of years. In COVID. You dumbass. Uh, not good at math. You're right. The year is 2010. <laughs> this is a flashback episode. Yeah, no, it would have been, I mean, obviously there was years missed in there, but probably somewhere in the mid eight or late 18, mid 1870s. Dude, old Tom Morris just rolled over his grave. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're just putting uh we need to put some respect on that man's name. Also uh, not to brag, but I also played the first ever open championship course at Presswick. So have you, you played out there too, right, Eric? Big, awesome little, like, you know, small little piece of property, packed mm-hmm. in all those holes in there and wow that place is awesome 
Dude, I, I really wish they could still host an open there if they had a bigger venue because yeah, the, okay. the golf course itself is awesome, but there it's just packed. Like you said, like I think 15 green and 18 green are like 30 yards apart from each other. Yeah, and you're teeing off on the first hole, and if, if the train goes by, I mean, you might shit yourself in mid-backswing. <laughs> the thing, it, the train is like 12 feet from you. Oh, dude. Right yeah, off that, the right side of the entire hole. But, yep. yeah, that place is awesome. That place is sick. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, going back to the Renaissance Club, uh, you know, I was over there, man, probably, let's see. So I was over there a long time ago when I was young. And uh, my dad was playing in the Senior British Open at Royal Troon. And he's like, hey, you know, you want to come caddy for me? Of course. You know, who, who's going to say no to that? And uh, I was making a few bucks, you know, caddying for him. I was like 15 years old. It was 2008. And uh, went over there and uh, just had a blast. Played Turnberry, played Prestwick, um, hung out, you know, had Guinness in the clubhouse at uh, Royal Troon and, and, you know, shots of whiskey. Well, scotch and you sip it. You don't take shots, but, you know, same deal. Uh, um, and, so uh, real, real quick is it Troon's over on the west side too, uh, south of Glasgow, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And talk about a hard golf course. I mean, you know, you got St. Andrews this week where you can bomb it. And uh, you still have to avoid the pot bunkers, but you can bomb it. Huge fairways, massive greens. Uh, Troon is like the exact opposite. It's super tight, small greens. The post-it, the uh, famous uh, postage stamp hole is is out there. A little 130-yard par three. Miss the green, you're making double. Um, Hell awesome, yeah. awesome course. And uh, I remember, you know, back in those days, I was caddying for for my dad a lot, and uh, Norman was kind of in and out of the tour at those days, trying to get on the champions tour. And, uh, you know, he had full status, but he was trying to like, you know, play well, get him, get himself, uh, cemented into the tour and like get some wins. And, um, I just remember that week, everyone was staying in the town of Troon because why wouldn't you, the course is right there. You got great little, uh, pubs everywhere. You walk in, grab a pint, you know, hang out with the, hang out with the locals. And what does Norman do? The guy is staying like an hour and a half, two hour uh, drive away. And he's flying a helicopter in every single morning, landing right on the tee, coming out, playing 18 holes, and then gets back in his helicopter and leaves. And he did that a couple times when I was out there. Um, we went to the Dominican Republic. Same thing. We were at this unbelievable resort. Norman's staying on some private island, flying a helicopter in every day. It's like, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? But. That dude- uh, thinks he's just the fucking man doesn't he man the guy's shit don't stink (laughs) when you got a fucking horse cock like that you kind of just gotta flip it out and everybody see it swing it around um but yeah we we finished uh 11th cat got 11th on the bag there at troon played great had a great time played uh it, it stays dark so late over there so you know after i'd caddy for him i'd go over and i actually went over and played turnberry finished at like 10 o'clock at night so anyone thinking about going over there and playing some golf highly recommend oh, 100 um, dude it's an awesome place and then um i went back for a european tour to school and you know my dad fortunately he's traveled and he's met all these people and if I'm playing in a big tournament, I'm not Eric Hallberg. I'm Gary Hallberg's son. 
<laughs> for the better or for the worse. I mean, right. You know, I would get marquee pairings and they're like, Oh, who are you playing with? Oh, Eric Hallberg. Who the hell is that? Oh, it's uh Gary Hallberg's son. Oh, wow. I'm playing with him, you know, <laughs> but, uh, I went over there and, and they, uh, my dad knew the guy at the Renaissance club and I went there and, uh, you know, played 36 a day for like four or five days where they played the Scottish open last week. And that place is awesome. So, you know, you get a chance to play there. Good golf course, tough. Um, Xander won. I got, got a chance to play with him back in the day. Um, his swing hasn't changed a bit. And there's another marquee pairing I got for nothing. I mean, so, <laughs> hey, I'll take them when I can get them. I'm not bragging, but, you know, well, my dad's absolutely. the most humble guy out there. So I can brag for him a little bit. Well, dude, oh, dude, one, thing I, one thing I will say real quick about E-Hall is if you guys know this guy, like if you don't know his dad or know like the dude is grinding on his own, fucking doing his own shit, fucking not, you know, oh, my dad, this like we know plenty of kids that that act like their dad's shit doesn't stink. Their dad's Greg Norman. Um, but, you know, <laughs> Eric's one of the most humble dudes we've ever met. And like I said, you know, if if uh, you didn't have the last name Hallberg, no one, you know, no, we would have never known. It's not like it. it's, it's, I'm just giving you a shout out because that shit's fucking cool. You're making, you're starting your own business. You're grinding. Like, you know, you, you made it to, you know, a couple of Q schools on your own. Like you, yeah, you got some good genes probably in the golf world, but you still have to grind and get there. So that's a shout out to you, brother. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, yeah, it, nothing comes easy. I mean, I, I, I tried as hard as I could. I was kind of a one hit wonder. Got, got to play on the PGA Tour, the the uh, Corn Ferry Tour, the Canadian Tour, the Latin Tour. Played, I, I'm a one-hit wonder. I played on every tour once. So, But it's it's hard to stay out there, and uh, it shows how good those guys are. Oh, dude, they're, they're insane. And actually talking um, about your dad real quick, I remember you telling me, and I, I remember YouTubing the round, but – didn't he play what was arguably one of the best rounds in open championship history? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was going to get to that at, uh, Turnberry. Okay. So second round, uh, it, it wasn't the actual open championship. He played in a few of those. I think he played in four or five uh, British opens. Okay. But, uh, when he got on the champions tour, the senior tour, he played a, a handful of, uh, senior open championships and, Turnberry 2013, I believe. Um, second round 63 with like 20, 25 mile an hour winds all day. Um, he shot in the 60s. Couples shot 69 and then no one else broke par. Um, the average score that day was 70, almost 78. I think it was 77.6 or something. Oh my God. He shot dude. 63. And like after they, you know, went to the media. I think, uh, I think it was Tom Watson said that may have been the best or one of the best rounds ever played in a, in an open championship. It was like, just, just stupid, you know? And so he ended sick. up, uh, being in the clubhouse with those, uh, I think couples birdied 17 part 18 to win by one. Um, so he finished second, he had it, but uh, third round, just a few, a few bogeys on the back nine and uh, shot him, shot him out of it. But that round, I mean, unbelievable, you know, 63 on a round that 77 is the average score. So just nuts. 
Well, and just the style of golf that you have to play to shoot 63 in the wind and how fucking mentally just and physically drained he had to be after that round. And, yeah. and in these open championships and this link style golf, sometimes just to the eye, it looks quote unquote easy, if you will. But you mistakes are just absolutely magnified by a million at places like this. You hit it three feet to the right of the spot you're supposed to. And all of a sudden, like, like you said, with the postage stamp, you're not making par, you're making bogey or worse. And you got to avoid, you know, doubles and triples as much as you can at these. You don't have to make a ton of birdies. You know, there's guys that, you know, if you made at, at St. Andrews this weekend, if, if somebody shoots even par all four days, they're probably finishing in the top 25, maybe top 30. And, mm-hmm. But it's so hard to avoid the big numbers versus like we're going out there and having it be a birdie fest. And that's why I love tournaments like this. Yeah. And he said his key that, that round, they asked him, you know, what was, what, what did you do that day? Like, how did you shoot that round? And uh, he said he used the wind to his advantage. So if you, if you guys see it blowing hard out there this week, look for the guys that are not complaining about the wind, you know, they're saying, Hey, you know, you get to a right to left hole, play that wind, let it, let it be your friend, give you an extra 20 yards. Don't try to hit a fade against a right to left wind or a a draw against a left to right wind. I mean, there's a time and a place for that. But uh, he said, Hey, it was such a hard day. You could not try to fight the wind. So just use the wind to your advantage. And uh, hardest part will be avoiding those pop bunkers out there, but I'm, I'm psyched to watch this week. Oh, dude, it's it's going to be so sick. And, like, I'll get into some of my stories about playing out there a little bit. But I know – I think it was Jack Nicholas back in the day when he was really competing for a, a bunch of majors. Um, he said that – and it was a little bit of a different era for sure, but he always said that he could probably – just during a practice round, he could go out to the range and just see who was going to possibly be in contention that week because – it was more of a mindset than it was a physical, you know, right. all the guys are pretty physically capable when you're out there. It's, it's about who's embracing the grind. And like you said, playing, playing the challenges in your favor instead of fighting them and g- complaining about them. Cause that's really all, all you're going to do is get more negative. You're going to beat yourself up and you're just going to be pissed off at the end of the day. So you got to take your lashes, you know, there's going to be times where you make a mistake, you make a bogey, but you can't compound mistakes and you just got to stay positive, dude, because it's a grind for everybody. No doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, we've all played enough, enough golf in those conditions. And it's like, if you go out there thinking that you're going to have a tough day and, and, you know, you're thrown in the towel before you even play, like even, even the guys sitting at home that are going to go play weekend golf on Saturday and they look at the forecast and it looks like shit, but they want to beat their buddies. It's like, Hey man, embrace it like come yeah. on it's going to be windy and cold but get out there and embrace it and you know play some golf hit some shots that you don't normally hit you don't always have to hit a high straight ball you know oh dude exactly and that's uh i mean americans have obviously we're all there's a bunch of really good golfers from america but especially at the open i tend to lean towards guys like even though it seems like a lot of americans have won recently it just seems like guys that grew up over there and because another thing that a lot of people don't talk about is just the firm surfaces uh, you get at a lot of link spots. Like when I played Nearfield, it was stupid firm. I'm sure Renaissance was stupid firm. Oh, stupid firm. And, and that's cause it's, I mean, 
first of all, it's a different kind of soil, but then it's also so windy that it's really hard to, to keep grass wet over there. It's really hard to um, keep ground, you know, moist in general. So it, it just ends up getting super firmed out. And if you don't have ultimate control of your ball flight and you don't have all the different shots in the bag, then um, there is going to be some shots that you can't hit. Like I specifically remember um, playing 16 at St. Andrews and actually a pretty funny story. So 16, um, it's a little bit of a dogleg right. And it's the, the property line right before the hotel. And there's like a little like golf, like uh, lesson center and driving range over there, kind of like an indoor outdoor setup. And so the fence kind of cuts into the hole a little bit and then up. And so the wind was down and off the right in our caddy. Uh, I was like, I'm going to sling a draw out over that because there's a walking path right on the right edge. And I was like, I'm going to hit a draw over the right edge of that path and just let it scoot all the way down. I think it was, I think it's a cl- probably a 400 yard hole or over 400 yards. And my caddy goes, uh, well, Jack Nicholas, or was it Arnold Palmer? One of, one of those two, I think it was Jack. He was like, Jack Nicholas has something to say about it. Players who hit that shot, but he's like, I'll wait to tell you until afterwards. And I was like, <laughs> okay, so I'll, uh, I fucking just pure one right over the corner. It falls left out of the sky. I, I, and I, you guys know I'm not a long hitter, but I think I had like 60 yards in, like I bombed it Um, position a, and I was like, okay, so what did Nicholas say about like hitting that tee shot? And he goes, he goes, only fucking idiots or amateurs will aim over that corner and try to draw (laughs) off that fence. Cause there's literally like, I'm not shooting you 200 yards left. Yeah, you could play it anywhere left and not even flirt with that fence line. And I was like, fuck it, dude. I don't know when the next time I'm going to play St. Andrews, maybe never again, you know? So I was like, I'm going to hit the tee shot. Yeah, absolutely. And I pulled it off. But then the shot that I vividly remember that I definitely should have played differently was the pin was just over, above this little knob, like in the middle left of the green. And it was a really steep drop off. And I tried to play an American shot and land it a little bit of a higher one kind of into the upslope and let it hop once up over the kind of the top of the knob and hopefully spin next to the hole. And I didn't pull it off. I landed it too short and it spun back down the ridge. And I think I made bogey and that shit pissed me off, but I probably played that completely incorrectly. So it's, it's all about like, not even just having the right shots in the bag, but choosing the right shot when you, you know, and, and really committing to it because there's so many, it's, it, that's one of the beauties of Lynx golf is you can be so creative. Like you could, you could take out about six or seven different clubs and try a, a 50 yard shot or a hundred yard shot. You know, you just you never know what bag. Huh? You could use every club in your bag on one 50 yard shot. Yeah. Like you, you actually could. I agree. Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of it is, and obviously we love American golf, but there's something beautiful about uh, the wing style golf and having those different options, you know, and getting creative. And that's what it feels like the, the European tour guys have more of than the American guys. Cause these dudes just hit it so fucking far. They, they are really good putters for the most part and their game, their swings are just like so dialed in that they don't need to hit anything but high bombs. Yeah, they're they're hitting wedges straight up in the air and spinning them back, and 
Yeah. You know, guys over there and Rory's kind of an outlier. I mean, he did won the British. I don't think it, it the wind blew that hard that week at Liverpool where he won, but you know, that guy hits it sky high, but uh-huh. he's, I mean, he's, he's one of the outliers, you know, but I like a guy like Matt Fitzpatrick, that guy, you know, he flights it low. I mean, yep. he's got great, look at what he did at the British. It's firm and fast or sorry, the U S U S open. It's firm and yep. fast out there. And, uh, that's, that's the type of guy you got to watch out for this week. Knows how to flight it low. Yes, so that's, 100%. I, have, I do have a question for both of you guys. You kind of just talked about it, Mitchell, but both of you playing a fair amount of Lynx golf. Uh, I have not like not, uh, not to that extent, at least if you will, I've played probably the Lynxiest course, couple courses in Colorado, but what do you think is the shot that you, it's the hardest to see and visualize as far as when you're on the course, but you have to hit them. Like you have no choice of not hitting them. So either you guys can go first or whatever. I would say, uh, say you're like 30 yards from the hole, but you've got to go up a 15 foot, 20 foot steep incline. And the, and the pin is just right, right on top. So you're short-sighted and you know, here in America, you may have a lot of grass underneath your ball and you can get a lob wedge under it. You can flip it up there, land it, you know, just on the green and a roll by the hole or, or five, 10 feet by. But you do not have that option on Lynx Golf. You got to take a three wood out or, you know, get creative with an eight iron, some sort of bump and run or just take the putter out. Um, but I would say that shot, there's so many options that it's, it's hard to figure out which one you got to go, which one that you want to go with. And if you trust the shot, so that's, I would say that shot is, yeah. is difficult to dial in. I totally agree. And I think just like, I was going to say about the same thing, but more just like getting creative to utilize slope. Like there's hmm. so many different little slopes where I remember hitting a shot at Presswick on um, I think it was a third green. It's a par five and most, one of the most insane par fives I've ever played in my life. Like, uh, do you remember that whole E? Yeah. Um, hidden green and it's got a, uh, kind of a stream going through the side of the hole, right? Yeah. So it's got the railroad ties. Like, uh, there's kind of like a, like a 20 foot wall. Um, yeah. so the fair, the first probably two shots, you almost get it. Like, I think the, the goal is to get your second shot up on top above that wall. Um, and it was just the wildest thing. Like, we had no idea where the green was. We were walking. Luckily, we were uh, three of seven players out there the entire day. So wow. there, there was nobody really pushing us. So we could kind of, like, wander around a little bit and figure out what was going on. But uh, it ended up – it's like a 90-degree dogleg right and – uh, I remember having a chip shot from short left to the green. And I think I, I landed at probably 10 feet from where I was. And it was probably a 40 yard shot. And I, it took like four or five different slopes and ended up five or six feet from the hole. And that was probably one of my favorite shots I hit while I was over there. Um, but then exactly dude. And it's just, there's nothing more satisfying than, on links golf, picking the right club, um, picking the right spot, hitting your spot and it doing exactly what you want it to do, because there's just a lot more variables. Like you said, over here, you toss a lob wedge up, land it in a, uh, I mean, it's not an easy shot by any means, but there's definitely a little bit more control 
uh, versus in Scotland and, and all those links courses, you're, you're kind of at the, uh, the mercy of the layout, you know, you have to take what it gives you and, and get creative with it. So, uh, yeah. but one, uh, one other thing that I will say, and I obviously had to drop this in, um, cause you mentioned putting from off the green. So I think number five at St. Andrews is a part five and it's a, so it's a combined green. Um, I think it's 13 coming in five going out and, I think the green's over a hundred yards deep. Like it's fucking massive. And it's just like, I didn't realize how many combined greens there were out there. And I think a lot of people will realize that now uh, with the open being there this year, but so coming out on five, I was right in front of the green and two, and there's like a really steep upslope, right? Right in front of the green, a little bit of like a false edge. And then the pin was right over that ridge and I was probably like a foot off the green. I couldn't see, like the ridge was so severe, I could hardly see the top of the flag. So I decided to get out the putter and I, I go up and look behind the hole. I pick a spot at the top of the ridge and I'm like, if I can just get it right here, I feel like it has a good chance of going in. So I hit it and my buddy Jonathan is up on the, on the green and he's kind of standing on the ridge, like in between me and the, so you can see me, you can see the hole, but he knew I couldn't see it. And I ended up knocking in the butt for Eagle. Okay. And it was like the most electric shit ever making a, a three on a par five. Yeah. yeah. So How that long was the butt? I mean, that was a long putt. It, it was probably 40 feet, 50 feet. Yeah. And then, uh, so and then coming back in on 13, um, it was playing, I think the wind was off the, cause it's kind of heading to the Northeast and then back out uh, or back in Southwest or yeah, southwestish or whatever, kind of back towards the clubhouse. But 13 was a little downwind, and I think I hit, like, driver nine iron or something. And I had, like, 20 feet, and I made the 20-footer for birdie on the combined green. So I was three under on those two holes on the on same one green. green. Yeah. So <laughs> I was awesome. like, dude, yeah, I will never be able to recreate that, but that was probably my – and then I also made an eagle at, uh, at Presswick on one of the fives, so – um, those are probably some of my best memories from over there. Just being able to, especially play in St. Andrews once in your life. Like, you know, you make a few birdies, you're stoked. And I was like, just the fact, I think I made three birdies in an Eagle and played pretty darn well. So it was, uh, definitely a round I will never forget. Yeah. Well, yeah. And one thing I'll say too, <clears throat> just being an outsider looking in is, like you guys talked about the creativity around the greens, I would be completely fucked because I try to hit it as high as I can all the time. Uh, I'm learning. I'm learning to not Lock use my 60. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'm learning to not use my 60, but I think another interesting part of the game, you know, taking it a little further back is like l- longer to mid approach shots in the 140 to 200 yard range. Like you can't land these things at the flag. Like they, and they have to like retrain themselves. And that's why everybody goes and plays in the Scottish open plays as many rounds out there as you can, because unless the wind's blowing straight into you, which you're clubbing up two or three at that point, like it's crazy to me, like hitting a golf shot and it landing on the green or near the flag and ending up being over it or it rolling off a side. Like I did that once last week in my little nine hole twilight round at Fox hollow. I hit a, great eight iron and i was like oh it landed 10 feet from the flag greens were a little hard whatever and i'm like chipping from 20 yards behind the green and i was just insanely pissed off about that and i'm Mm -hmm. sure you have to retrain your mind to be like all right i 
it's a 130, 40 yard shot. I can hit it pretty full, you know, wind, whatever, but I have to land it at 125 or 130, which is just yeah. not a thing around most courses around here. Yeah. Big time. That's, uh, that's probably the second most important thing out there other than around the greens. I mean, you could have, uh, you could have say, say, you know, Rom has 165 yards into a hole this week and you know, normally he would hit say a uh, full nine iron with no wind. If that, if it's downwind, I mean, he may be thinking about hitting like a 56 degree, punching it low, landing it 30 yards short of the, short of the green and bounding it up. Um, and you'll, you'll see guys drive greens this week. I mean, yeah, you, you're taking four, five, six clubs less than the, the club you would normally hit sometimes. Um, oh. and, it, and it probably helps into the wind because, uh, you don't have to factor that in as much. Dude, I, I was just going to say, I think it's it, for a better golfer. Would you agree that, um, probably being into the wind is actually easier to control your ball than being downwind as, with, with conditions with as firm? Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. absolutely. Um, you can stop well, a wedge. I mean, when you're into the wind and you're spinning a wedge at 10,000 RPMs, it's probably going to spin 13, 14, 15,000 into the wind. Right. So it's going to be um, ripping. Yeah. And probably the windiest round of golf I played over there. So we played 36 one day and it was the day we played St. Andrews in the morning. And then we played this place called Crail Golf Society. Um, it's actually right. It, it shares property or it, the properties butt up to each other, um, with Kings Barnes. Wow. So it's right there kind of uh, South of St. Andrews on that little, um, Cape, I, that little, it, I wouldn't call it an inlet. I'm not, I'm not a fucking geography expert. I don't know what that's called. Yeah, there, there we go. Yeah. Something like that. Um, but it was so windy at Crail that, uh, there's a couple of holes that really stuck out. One was a par three. I think it was like thir- 14. Um, it was 140 yard down, like almost straight downhill par three. But the, the only thing was the ocean was lit- like the beach. There was a little wall and then it was the beach right there. And the wind was straight into us, probably 40 miles an hour. Jeez. And I hit a four iron and I nut like I nutted it and I carried it 120. <laughs> I carried I it to the, the very, very front edge of the green. The pin was in the back and I hit four iron. And then um, yeah, dude, it was fucking nuts. And then there was a par four. Uh, I think it was the 17th hole kind of heading in that same direction. And I I it was I, I want to say it was 400, it was maybe 410 or 420. And I hit driver and then driver off the deck. And got it pinned high, just left of the hole, but it was just absolutely howling, dude. It was, it was a a different animal. What the wind will do. I mean, I know uh, I was talking to Mark Weeby, who he won the senior uh, British Open a long time ago, and he uh, was talking about Pebble Hole Seven. You know, the famous par three down the hill, hundred yards, hundred ten yards. He was playing in a U.S. Open there, and uh, the second round, I think it was, he hit sixty degree. It was downwind. And then a uh, huge front came in, wind switched completely, 30, 40 mile an hour gusts. And so he hit 60 degree the second round, three iron the third round. Same hole, same tee box, teeny little par three down the hill, just chipped a three iron. I mean, 
it'll make the course play completely different. And if the wind switches at all this week, watch out for that. You'll have a guy 100%. shoot 66 and he can shoot 84 the next day. Yeah. Right. And that's I'm a, honestly, I'm excited for that. And I hope it's really windy because wasn't it last, was it last year? We got when Colin Morikawa won the open, it was like so calm, stupid calm. And I already yeah. have like a vendetta against Colin Morikawa. So this is, that's part of it. I just don't <laughs> like the guy. Um, but and people, for no were reason, no reason. When, uh, people were pissed off when Brandon Grace shot 62 and, and shot the lowest round in major championship history over there in, in uh, Scotland, I think it was. And uh, he shot 62 on a day with the wind did not blow at all. Yeah, they hated to see it. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's really that, where those links courses get their teeth. Like if you if you remove the wind, it's pretty flat. It's yeah, pretty outside pretty of cool. some of the slopes, but it's pretty darn playable. But when that wind howls, it's a totally different ball game. No doubt about it. Well, let's uh, get into some of our picks uh, from the DraftKings Sportsbook app for this 150th. Started in 1870-ish. I uh, got the math right this time. But the action ever ends at DraftKings Sportsbook. As you guys know, we're giving out fantastic golf picks every week. Uh, we did hit a heater for a little bit there. I, I had the uh, U.S. or PGA Championship winner. No big deal. Ooh. Um, but you're getting a risk-free bet up to a thousand dollars, all new customers at DraftKings Sportsbook. You can throw down major action on baseball, our favorite golf and all the MMA and UFC fights during the summer when there's no football, basketball, base, uh, hockey on, there's a lot of same game parlay spreads, money lines, and they have a ton of live betting too. Uh, I'm headed to the Rockies game and I am going to be live betting the shit out of, uh, ball and play on the first pitch. It's super electric and uh, it's super fun to do, especially when you're at the game and can see it right there. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR, and that first deposit, if you make it, you get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. So you get a bet, you lose that, you get up to that amount of money, up to $1,000 in free credit to make another bet and win that one, and then your balance is there. Promo code DNVR, DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Or, <laughs> or call or eHall. Call e one of our other sponsors, and we actually talked about this a little off, off recording, but Eric, uh, as you guys know, we're not, not doing a live pod right now. Bar is closed, um, but we are live on, on Zoom currently and looking at Eric's face, and he's got this nice-looking beard. But I guarantee you, he's using some Manscaped product down below um, to keep, <laughs> keep the ladies, especially his girlfriend, uh, happy. So make especially sure his over, girlfriend. Good call. Make sure you're heading over to Manscaped.com. Use a promo code DNVR, and you're getting 20% off and free shipping only at Manscaped.com. There's they have the Weed Whacker, the Lawnmower 4.0, electric trimmer with the light. I use it all the time. I'm keeping it clean down below. Um, I let it go up top. I had the playoff beard, which is now gone. I still got this awful mullet. So as you know, I don't use a razor much above the, uh, the belt line, but below it, definitely using that razor. So make sure you're checking out manscaped.com. They have the best products that you can find for men's grooming and not keeping a bush, but keeping a nice beard like our boy E-Hall's got here. So make sure you got a separate razor for down below and up above too. Yeah. I, I do talk about that. Uh, occasionally I left that out of this read, but I do definitely have one 
in the uh, next to the sink, that's the face only. And then the one in the there shower is, is current is a uh, below the belt only. Good man. Can't be mixing those two Spencer, up. I get, yeah, I was going to say, I could see Spencer squatting over the toilet, like trying to shave his taint. And then he's shaving his face in the shower, like some back acid shit. Cross contamination going on. <laughs> Everybody's done it at least once. So you make that mistake. You're like, what the fuck did I just do? We all do. So yeah. Oh, 100%. But you only make that mistake once. Get yourself two Manscaped trimmers, one for up top, one for down below, and you are good to go. Boom. All right. So, uh, picks logging into the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and looking at the Open Championship, which I, I'll still probably call it the British Forever. Uh, make sure if you guys are watching this, wanting to watch this, this is not your normal golf tournament. Of course, we got a little bit of a primer with the Scottish Open, but you're going to have to get your ass up early. I believe uh, one of the first marquee tee times is 4.58 in the morning uh, Eastern time, so like 2.50. Um, definitely get up early, make sure you're tuning in. Uh, this is a, uh, bloody Mary and screwdriver type of tournament where you're waking up early, making yourself a breakfast cocktail and watching, um, which makes it super fun because we're going to be up early all weekend. We got the Creekside classic, our member guest out at spring Valley. So we're both going to be up at four, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it's, it's a great four? weekend to have. Yeah. You're fucking out of your tree. And here's Mitchell get, trying to get it's out. It's just like, I'm out. <laughs> Uh, like, oh, I'm sick this weekend. Re- you can just pull an all-nighter. You oh, owe us fuck, one dude. after Durant. <laughs> after I took a snooze at the fucking dinner table, yeah, I, I owe somebody something. That's for you sure. You owe somebody an all-nighter. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'm going to give out my winner first. Um, so my three picks this week, uh, Eric's got some picks for us. Mitchell's got some picks for us along with some props. I always take the easy way out and just go winner, top 10, top 20. I'll start with my winner this week. And I did some uh, diving into some Twitter and some trends. And I guess eight of the last 10 winners of the Open Championship finished top three in the Masters that same year before it. Uh, this is like not, they're not directly correlated at all. And I understand that, but it kind of got me thinking. So I did a little creeping on the uh, old master's leaderboard from this year. And I'm going to go with my winner at plus 2,200, a guy that fits this mold Irishman. Uh, he wasn't my blacklist for a bit, but I'm going to go with big old Shane Lowry. Oh, the Irish. I like that. Yeah. I mean, that. He's the kind of dude that you you want to pick for all of the link style events. You know, he's such a proud Irishman, just a big jolly dude that you'd want to party with. Like, I mean, imagine his party if he won the fucking uh, Open Championship. They would they would have to buy the whole Guinness factory, I'm sure. So <laughs> the John Daly of the UK. He is, dude. That's a that is great. That's a great way to put that. But I like that pick. Um, Spencer, Spencer, are you picking again or are we going with all of our winners and then going around the circle? Yeah, I'll just uh, I'll just go ahead and finish it up. This is the lock of the century. So uh, so he's going to come out and shoot 84, 82. Um, But I think I think this guy ends up maybe winning it as well. Obviously, I already gave you my winner. So bold strategy, the odds on favorite Rory McIlroy to top 10 in a major. Nope, it's actually not that it's actually not that. Jordan Spieth to top 10 at plus 180. 
Uh, he had a great week last week at the Scottish Open until he just started shitting on himself on Sunday. Uh, I think he's going to be not only has he already won an Open and knows how to win over here and knows how to put the shit out of the ball from God knows anywhere, but I think he's going to be a little annoyed at his Sunday round and definitely be a little annoyed that he, I, I mean, I live bet him. I tweeted this. I live bet him to win the tournament uh, midday Saturday. Thought he was going to come back and then Shoffley, even though he faltered, he was just a little too strong on Sunday, not making too many mistakes. But I think Jordan's going to come in pissed off. And I think that's a good, uh, a good omen for him because this is a place where, like we talked about earlier, you don't have to hit a ton of driver. You don't have to bomb, bomb it, which not that he, I mean, he's just not a good driver of the golf ball. I believe he's like 128th on tour this year in accuracy and distance off the strokes gained off the tee. So not a place where he has to hit a ton of drivers, um, can hit iron down the, down the fairway. And then hopefully his putting rounds into form. So him top tenning is plus uh, 180. And then my top 20 pick, Another guy that I'm taking off the blacklist, um, a guy I've bet quite a few times. He's always let me down, but we're going to go back with him uh, and we're going to go for top 20. This is plus 160. We're going to go Tommy Fleetwood. Those those are good odds for a a guy that knows his way around links golf and can fight the ball. Also had a good week at the Scottish Open. So I'm kind of banking on a couple of guys uh, relaying that momentum from last week into this parlaying it you mean parlaying relaying how can you not you're a gambling degenerate how can you not remember the term parlay (laughs) sometimes i just get a little little foggy headed i forget okay all right do you have any props or anything spence that's it for me simple card hopefully a couple three winners on there at least two All right, settle you for one. Hear your picks, brother. All right, so um, Xander, I liked him, but there's no way he wins three three events in a row. That's just unprecedented. So he's out. Great. Um, yeah, I agree Rory, Rory being the favorite, he's out because we all know what happens at the Masters when he's the favorite. So that's not happening. He'll have yep. a good week, but not going to win it. Um, I'm taking a guy that has, uh, hasn't been playing great, but he's got a chip on his shoulder. I like the golf course for him. Hits it a long way. Great putter. Um, good, good all around golf game. And the guy's got a few majors under his belt. Not a huge, huge, uh, fan, but, uh, I got Brooks plus 5,000 to win it. Ooh, that's so, those are some great odds, bro. He's a little pissed off going in, and you know he plays well that way. It seems, and he hasn't, you know, played on. Uh, well, he hasn't played in any U.S. events in a while. But uh, yeah, the, the live tour doesn't count. Yeah, and then um, I've got a, a guy by the name of Scott Vincent. Um, this guy has won like three times in the past eight months on the Japan tour, which. For anyone that doesn't know about this tour, the, the Japanese tour is an unbelievable tour. And they actually uh, they keep it kind of locked where you can't even play the tour unless you speak the language or you have a full time translator. And uh, he's just been tearing it up over there. And now he plays full time on live. So I'm that guy right now that's <laughs> two guys that are playing on live. But hey. Plus 4,000 for a top 10, Scott Vincent. Look out for him. This guy is just a solid player. I've actually played with him a couple times. I know his coach. 
Um, he's a bulldog. He's just uh, he's a grinder. He'll be out there grinding hard. Great short game, great putter. So look out for him. And then uh, my buddy that finished top 20 last week at the Scottish and uh, he had been playing. He's playing well going in. And I think the course sets up good for him as well. He, he doesn't necessarily drive it dead straight off the tee, but hits it a long way. Um, good iron player, unbelievable short game in, in, in putting. Um, plus 25,000 to win, but uh, plus 650 for a top 20, Wyndham Clark. So top 20, Wyndham Clark, top 10, Scott Vincent, Brooks takes the W. Dude, those are some phenomenal odds for Wyndham to top ten or top twenty, bro. Like he, he's been uh, rolling. Yeah, and like you said, I think I think he may be the best putter I've ever played with. Um, and he's I, a hometown boy. Yeah, exactly. You can't Colorado, hate the Colorado kid. kids. Uh, well, the, the the setup this week's definitely a little different than the Colorado golf we see here. Um, but yeah, that dude. At one point, he was one of the longest players on tour. I think he's dialed it back a hair, but just really solid all around game. And and why not pick this week to, to come show out with the top 20. No doubt. I, last week, he's coming off a good week last week too, which, you know, if he didn't play well last week, hey, I wouldn't know. Can, it, can he play on links, but he's looking pretty good so far. So I love it. Put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> right. You better have some action on Wyndham. I had a tweet the other day where uh, one, at one point in probably eight years ago or 10, 15 years ago, me and Wyndham were standing on the same tee box at Highland Hills about to tee off in a, in a high school Chassa event. And he was currently leading the Canadian Open teeing off the last on Saturday. And I was vacuuming my couch. So a little bit different trajectories of our Times lives. Times have changed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um so I'm going to, I'm gonna, I've got three winners and a prop and the winners um, there's, there's definitely tiers to the winners. Uh, I know like, like Ehal said, Rory's the favorite, so he's probably not going to win, but I think it's, it's one of those where if you don't throw a little on it, you're going to kick yourself for not like, cause it almost seems so obvious that if he does it, then you're like, how did I miss that? You know? And, uh, so I, I got to take Rory plus 900. That's obviously he's odds on favorite, um, playing some good golf right now. He knows the, he knows links. He grew up on links. Uh, if he can drive the ball well out there, there's going to be a lot of par fours that are, are gettable. And usually for Rory, it, it comes down to the putter. Um, if he puts well, I think he's probably the best player in the world or, you know, right up there week in week out, if he can make some putts. So uh, try to get that putter hot. Um, and then my second tier winner, I'm going with a group of like the, the Englishmen. I'm a big, I'm in big favor of the, the Englishmen and the, well, and the, the GB and I guys, Great Britain and Ireland guys. Um, but I, I'm taking Tyrrell Hatton plus 4,000. Um, he's, uh, he grew up in England. He's a grinder. Uh, as long as he doesn't talk too much shit to himself and, and get himself down, <laughs> by just constantly chirping himself for his bad golf shots. Uh, I think he's just one of those dudes where it's pretty low key. He doesn't do anything phenomenally well, but he has really good control over his ball. Um, he's got a really good short game. And I think he, I, I wouldn't count him out really any week, you know, he's, he's been out there, he's won. So he knows how to contend and 
maybe he breaks through with a major, you know, it could be time. And then, Oh dude, exactly. Like he talks shit to himself, but I think deep down, deep down, I think he thinks he can beat anybody. He, and a lot of the Englishmen are just like that, dude. They, they're, they're, they're kind of like built for match play. Like they think they can go out and beat anyone. Um, So if, if it comes down the stretch with a, a U.S. guy and a, a Englishman or whatever, I usually lean towards the Englishman just because they grew up. That's what they grew up doing. That's what they were built for is. And that's why they win Ryder Cups all the time. I mean, it's it's tough to argue with. But uh, so my my third tier winner uh, plus 13,000 on DraftKings is Robbie McIntyre. Um, big lefty, uh, big boy from. I, he's native of Scotland and he bombs it, dude. Like there's been some weeks I remember on, he's won on the, the DP world tour multiple times, uh, but he can absolutely move it. And I think as long as he keeps it, you know, in play uh, with uh, some of those shorter par fours, he's going to have a good shot. And if he rolls it well at plus 13,000, I, I couldn't pass that up being the, the native countryman. Um they they definitely be having a few rounds of the jigger in afterwards on <laughs> on Robbie if he ends up I so actually I don't want to plug my story again but I had a few beers at the jigger in and it was one of the most unreal experience it felt like something out of a fairy tale like some Harry Potter shit um, most That's unreal it. experience yeah I had a couple of Guinness at the jigger and probably the the coolest thing I'll ever do I think I peaked uh, when I went over there for a week. Um, but then the one prop I'm going to get a lot of hate for, but I think it's a logical play here is tiger missing the cut at plus plus one twenty. Um, I know even he's probably like, you're an idiot. He's the goat. And I know he's the, well, okay. Real quickie. Who do you think the goat? Um, I think Jack, just because, I mean, I, I, agree. I feel like I'm almost from that era because, you know, my pops played with him a bunch and told, tell me stories, but yeah, uh, man, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I, I think the only thing that puts, could put Jack above him is the 17 second places in majors, I mean, 18 majors and 17 seconds. That's like just sick. Yeah. That's but fucking I, nuts. And yeah, I mean, yeah, Tiger's unreal. And like, I think like you said, dude, it's an era thing, but, I don't want to get Spencer on the subject because he's just a tiger nut rider. Um, you'd think Spencer is a waitress at Perkins for how much he's gobbling on <laughs> Tiger's glizzy. So uh, we're, we're not going to get well, into Well, think about Spencer. if Tiger didn't get injured. I mean, we could go on for hours about it. Oh, if he dude. never got injured, if he never, you know, did this, did that, he could have, you know, 25 majors. Who knows? Yeah, dude, if they put cruise control on those new cars, I bet he'd be in pretty good shape right now. But Yeah, no kidding. Dude, fucking whis- whiskey throttling at 90 and a fucking 40 and i guess that's kind of what you get i hey, we've not... all done. <laughs> that's true we've all been there um <laughs> no i just gotta give tiger a little shit but logically speaking i mean i i think from what i heard like i read some guys talking about tiger's chances this week and they're like he had to ride in a cart for two weeks at the jp mcmanus pro-am like the four day walks really going to take its toll. I know that the golf ability is still there. Like, I don't think it'll ever leave him, but um, his lower body, I just don't think is in quite in good enough shape to walk all four of those rounds. Or maybe he was just saving himself knowing he was going to be 
in for a walk um, at least the first two rounds of this week. Uh, but overall, I I just kind of see him missing the cut, you know, with that's the thing is when and obviously Tiger's Tiger, like he's always going to be really fucking good. But he just he hasn't been playing that much. And when you don't have total control of your ball flight and you go over and if it's if the conditions are bad, I think it could get kind of off the rails for him. So um, Tiger missing the cut, especially plus odds. And that's the thing with Tiger is he's such a needle mover that everybody's always betting so heavily on him to do well that you're actually going to get odds bet the other side of it. And I don't really root for him to not play well because golf is golf when Tiger's in contention, you know, at an open or at any major. So uh, he brings the masses. Exactly, dude. But I just think that I don't think he's going to have a great week this week. And at plus 120, I couldn't pass it up. So, Well, did you guys see the uh... – the tweet from Max Homa that got resurfaced. I thought that was pretty dope that uh, he tweeted from like 2013. He had just won the pac 12 and just got a, like an exemption or, or qualified for the U S open. And he tweeted at tiger woods and asked for like a practice round. And now they're playing together in round one. And that maybe was awesome. Probably two of this open championship and Max is just oh. killing it lately. Yeah. That's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. He's another dude I could see. Um, let me look up his odds real quick. Cause I could see him coming You're out right. with the top 10. I mean, I got you. Um, uh, oh. Max Homa top 10 plus three fifty. So, Oh, dude, that's, that. I mean, yeah, he I almost think... won what he, uh, he played well at the PGA and, yeah. uh, won one just before or just after. So, and then played really well at the Scottish last week too. Yeah. Was up, was up there for a while. So. I can see him. Yep. 100%. Well, before we finish this pot up, we are going to get to a new segment. Uh, So we have a new segment for you guys. Uh, This will be put out on our socials for you guys to vote. Um, It is called the Grand Slam. And this is a completely original idea that no podcast has really ever done before. Basically, we're going to snake draft. Uh, different topics, and we're each going to pick four of them. The four has no relation to any sort of other uh, snake draft or anything that anyone else has ever done. Completely original idea. But we got our golf uh, golf swing on it, if you will, our golf side of this. And so we're going to call it the Grand Slam. A couple golfers are out there looking for the Grand Slam right now. A couple golf- golfers in the history of the world have completed it. So we're going to do the Grand Slam of, in the first – first edition of the grand slam we're going to do the grand slam of types of golf so we're going to go real like back to our roots here any types of golf go we've got a guest so eric you get to choose uh you know how snake draft works i'm sure just like a fantasy football draft you can pick your starting position so you can go one and then you get obviously two back to back at at five and six um or six and seven excuse me math once again hard Oh yeah. I was going to say, I, I did that wrong too. I was like, Oh God. Okay. Six or, and seven. Yes. Or Eric, you want to go second and then have the middle pick of both rounds or would you like to go third? Um, you know, I, so I'm picking two, right. Starting out with two. Uh, well, no. So if you get the first pick overall, you go one and then I get two, Mitchell gets oh, three, four, and then you would get uh, six and seven back to back. You tell me I'll lead it off. All right. Lead, bat and be an lead honor. off. It'd be an honor, Your Honor. All right, bat and I lead off. I would say, 
Um, number one pick for me is uh, early morning golf with the boys, first out, dew sweeping, fresh cut grass, birds chirping, sun coming out. And, uh, you know, you're, you're just looking forward to a nice day with the boys out on the course. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's number one for me. Dude. Dude. Yeah. That's, that is that's so pure. Yeah. That is so pure because, um, I always get to like golf course, like most of my shifts, I'm starting at five forty-five, super early and our golf courses, we're struggling a little bit right now with, uh, conditions, uh, just a little Brown out there or a bunch of water issues that I'm not going to get into, but, uh, and every morning I show up, I'm like, damn, it's getting green. You know, it just looks so pure. And when you play those late afternoon rounds, which I end up playing a lot, the greens are trampled. They've been hit at all day. Uh, there's nothing more pure than just heading out there. Uh, you can still see, you know, the sun's coming up or just kind of getting up and the greens are, nobody's putted on them for the day. They're freshly mowed, freshly rolled and the cups are crisp. Like mm. that is the, that is a well done number one overall. Pick. And you, you know, you just, you just got over the worst part of your day, which is getting up that early and getting to the <laughs> And then you get there and it's like, oh, I'm here. Yeah. Like, let's go. You know, dude, a hundred percent like those early mornings and it hits so much different. Like when you got to wake up early for work, but when you're waking up early for golf, it's like so much easier to get out of bed and it's total bullshit. Like if I could somehow fool my fucking little pea brain into thinking I was going to like play golf or do something fun <laughs> in the morning instead of going to work, I'd probably pop out of bed like a, a piece of toast, but I know it's usually just to go, uh, go out to spring Valley and work all day. So definitely an a one pick from E hall there, Mitchell, let's move it on to you. I'll give you the second pick your grand slam pick for types of golf. Uh, okay. So I'm going in a different direction and there's definitely, um, you know, there's certain, I, I love morning golf, but, for me, the next closest thing is going to be twilight golf, like super late twilight um, when there's nobody else out there. Or, I mean, I guess nowadays the courses are packed, set up to sundown. So nobody, nobody else out there is kind of out of the question. But um, just boozing it with your boys late at night, um, the sun's going down, the course is beautiful. Uh, and as much as I hate those people be rolling in kind of at sunset, <laughs> and then dude yeah i can't stand those people but i also understand but you are that guy exactly like i you can't I, you can't say no to that i mean that's heaven rolling in that way exactly dude and and as long my rule is if i'm not the last card in then i don't feel bad like i'll never be the last card in but if if i see somebody in the parking lot and i'm pulling i'm throwing my shit in the car i'm running over to the the uh cart barn and dropping that puppy off before that dude can because i'm not being the last card in but something super electric especially at uh at like places like city park little plug we're having a tournament there in a couple weeks but the sunset over denver um it's like something out of a fucking movie dude the the how picturesque it is and the sun setting over the mountains with the the cityscape so i gotta go twilight golf at number two I love that pick and twilight's my favorite, not for the course conditions, but for, like you said, the views, the sunset, that is peak. It's like usually like kind of a cooler part of the day, especially if it's hot. That's, that is ideal. Um, I'm going to roll into my first round pick and this is going to be, uh, I'm going to go with a bachelor party golf. 
nothing like having like 12 or 16 of your closest friends there. Somebody's bachelor party, somebody's getting married. You're having a great time on the course. You got groups back to back. You're buying people shots they probably shouldn't take. Um, the cart girl loves everybody. You're just having a great time. I think that is one of my favorite types of golf is like when you got a group of a bunch of people and you're just having a great time together. Great pick. Yeah, I'm with you there. You get all your all your people together, all your buddies together, and just everybody's having a good time. I mean, even if you're playing bad. Exactly. Oh, and, and you don't oh, care yeah, about well, playing bad. That's another good part of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the one thing, the one gripe I have with that is um, it depends on the day of the bachelor party that you play golf because, uh, for instance, at Spencer's bachelor party, um, we played golf. Was it the first full day we were there? Um, and then we proceed to go out in St. Pete, get absolutely shit faced. I was wandering around. I guess they found me in the alley with a piece of pizza. Um, Come on. no, dude, I'm dead fucking serious. I guess I, I wandered off and everybody's like, where's Mitchell? And I was like, I'm looking for some fucking food. And I guess I was talking to some homeless people. Um, like it was a dangerous night. I don't remember getting home. Thank God we were Ubering all over. Um, but we woke up the next day and we had tea times and I pretty much looked to Spencer. I was like, we're not fucking doing this dude. Like, and it was one of our shittier moves you've ever pulled being like in the industry, being golf pros, knowing what it's like. And I couldn't even bring myself to do it, but we called and canceled three tea times at the spot and said, we all had COVID. Um, pretty fucking <laughs> shitty. It was a shitty move on our part, dude, but there was, we hung out by the pool all day and started drinking again. And it was so chill. So like, it all depends on the day you do it, but if you wake up just dead ass hung over and you, another mistake guys make is like getting 8 a.m. tea times for a bachelor party. Like you're, you know, you're going to be out till two or three in the morning at least, if not later, give yourself a little time, like make an 11 o'clock at noon tea time and then you're ready to roll right into happy hour and, and going back out to the bars afterwards. So you did that golf course a favor by calling in sick. <laughs> right. Yeah. It would have been an absolute joke. We were, it, it, we were so disheveled. It looked like we all fucking went through a hurricane the night before. We got to put a tracking device on you, Mitch. <laughs> you never know where you're going to show. Where, where are you going to end up? A little doggy tag on him. Yeah. yeah. You know? Please, please return to this address. It found. <laughs> return um, to order. <laughs> exactly. All right. Oh, uh, swinging around for my first pick of the second round. I'm going to go with mountain golf. Um, there's just, for us, it's not as crazy, but I think uh, I'm not pandering to the listeners here, but if you've ever just played a lot of golf in, you know, a city or around the country or whatever, and then you go get to play a sick mountain course, first of all, the elevation changes, especially in Colorado, you can hit the ball a mile, but just the views you get, the uh, the elevated tee boxes, the the green grass, the tr- you know trees everywhere around the holes. Sometimes it's not as fun if you're actually trying to score or play well, but just the views around it are so different for people that we bring out to Colorado. They're just in shock by it. Yeah, I uh, I can't disagree with you there. I love mountain golf just just about as much as anybody. Um, I real quick, let's name our favorite mountain course: Spencer Go. I'm going to go with Lakota Canyon. Oh, boo. Are we going Colorado only? or? Um, no, let's go wherever. Um, Moonlight Basin, 
where uh, Tom Brady and uh, Phil and uh, Chuck played the match. Or uh, okay. Aaron Rodgers, Chuck was a commentator up in Montana. Yeah. I mean, that place looks like a fucking fairy tale, bro. That place is like, not, it's not even real. It, it does not look real. That is one place I, I really, really want to go up and play is um, northern Wyoming, southern Montana. Mm. Um, so I don't really know. Like, so I'm going to go Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and it's not necessarily mountains, mountains. Um, but I'm going to go to the Coeur d'Alene Lake Resort. It's like a mountain, it's like a lake mountain town. Um, similar to a little bit like Tahoe, but, uh, dude, that place is so tits. It's, it's a resort course. You'd think it'd be like super easy, like bowl fairways, bowl greens, but it's actually a really good challenge. And the place is just so sick right there on the lake. Um, that's probably my favorite mountain course. Uh, and, and you get to take a out to one of the greens right exactly you got the floating green and that's probably like the cool one of the coolest holes in all of them all yeah, of how golf. Cool is that? um yeah so it's pretty on brand for me to just send the podcast completely off fucking topic but i just wanted to hear e-halls because i know you played some fucking sick ones um but yeah moonlight basin looks absolutely unreal moonlight basin but man there's so many good ones in colorado i mean you go up to Keystone, play Keystone Ranch and River. I mean, two awesome mountain course. Well, River is more of a mountain course, but they're both in the mountains and just just awesome, awesome courses that aren't going to break the bank too much. Yeah, and say like Brackenridge Golf Club is probably one of my all-time favorite mountain courses too. Um, <laughs> Jack Nicklaus design. I've talked about it before on the pod, but 27 holes, Jack Nicklaus kind of uh, right before you get into Brackenridge and just 360 views of the mountains. Uh, really good layout, just uh, wildlife everywhere, elk, moose, you know, you're going to see all of it. And uh, I think the last time I played there, I shot like 67, so that didn't hurt either. Um, Got to plug that a little bit. But anywho, uh, Spencer, do you have anything else on mountain golf? Nope, that's it. Moving on to your second round pick. Okay, so now that Spencer brought up the conditions or, like, the different landscapes of golf, I got to go with Lynx golf. Oh. Um, yeah, that's it, – it's such a jam, dude, because it's just – when you're playing Lynx golf, especially – and I'm, we're not really bragging. We're just saying that we've done it. But playing over in, like, the home of golf and where it kind of all started, you've never felt, like – you're playing more authentic golf in your life. You know what I mean? It's, it's as real as golf gets. And the other cool thing is too, is you're always walking and there's really not a choice. So you're walking, you either have a caddy or a push cart or whatever. Um, but you're brave in the conditions. You're usually not drinking and you're usually trying to play relatively fast. So like over in Scotland, dude, I didn't play a single round in over four hours and we walked every single one of them. And I played eight times, so I know that uh, they take their pace of play super serious, but they love to uh, golf. They take their golf seriously, and then directly afterwards, they take their drinking pretty seriously. So that's uh, something I can get behind. Yeah, it's sacred ground you're walking on over there. It, exactly, dude. It, it just hits different. Yeah. I would say uh... – Next pick for me would be like beach golf, which could go into links golf, but okay. I'm more of like, you know, 
you go down to Mexico or, uh, you know, parts of, uh, California or Florida even, uh, or like, you know, you go down to the Bahamas. I mean, man, that's, that's relaxing golf. It can be tough. You know, you hit it in the drink and you're having a bad day, but like looking around and seeing the water and, uh, just having like a tropical drink in hand and, and knowing that you can go back to the pool or just, just that whole vibe. Um, that's that's a nice it, it it gets you off the grind a little bit and, for sure uh, just a I different pace that. yeah i mean you know there's a lot of good island beach kind of tropical golf out there and sometimes it's a little bit resorty but it's fun i mean shit it's a blast they do it right hell yeah what's your favorite uh real quick what's your favorite ocean course you've ever played because you for those of you who don't know, Eric's gotten the opportunity to play some of the sickest golf in the world. And so I, I'm always curious when he brings up different tracks, like who the fuck knows where it's going to be. So I got to ask, what's your favorite ocean spot? Well, when ocean comes to mind, the temperature isn't always so warm, but uh, the Monterey Peninsula, Pebble Beach comes to mind and got a chance to play Cypress. That to me is like the best walk in golf. It's just you're, you go into the forest, you go into the sand dunes, and then you're literally on and like right on, you know, an island, an island green, and uh, you're you're on the cliffs, and that's that's pretty unbelievable. Um, and Pebble, the same thing. You're you're just right there with it, and uh, sometimes it's easy to forget about your golf game and, and just be looking at the views all day. Which you know, if you're going over there for a tournament, it's different. You got to focus on the course. And you might not even be taking in the views at all, but if you're there to just play Pebble Beach, you got to just take it all in, and that's that's second to none for me. Um, but I also was down in Dominican and played a place called Cap Cana, and that place is like more tropical. I mean, it's you know 85 degrees, and you've got island, uh, peninsula holes, and uh, views of the Caribbean. And, that's 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 something else too and it's so lush i mean the grass down there is called a uh, paspalum and they they can water it with salt water so they can water the thing all they want and it's so green i mean it's not it's not bermuda like the typical uh, island courses where you, it gets a little bit brown this paspalum they just put the ocean water right on it water it as much as they want so that might be uh, a grass of the future if they can if they can perfect it a little more but Pretty, pretty special down there. That's badass, dude. All right, E, you get back-to-back picks since we're swinging around here in the third round. Okay, lastly, I would say um, just competitive golf. And I would not – I wouldn't say, like, a a nervous tournament atmosphere. I would say more of, like, you're playing with your buddies or uh, whoever you're playing with, you're having a – you're having a good friendly game, you know, it's, you're not out there sweating balls and, and shaking on the first tee. You know, I've had that. Um, and looking back at it, that's not so much fun, but when you're, when you're playing competitive golf and you got something on the line to grind for, it's hard to beat that. Whether you're playing mountain golf, ocean golf, or, you know, chipping around in your backyard, have something on the line, keep you in, keep your head in the game a little bit. And, uh, just competitive golf, I would say. Um, but not, not that type of competitive golf that's going to make you 
not want to do it again. You know, if you if you're losing too much money or you lose your house or your car, then forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, dude. There there's definitely a comfortability level, and you can. I mean, I think we've all played for some serious money at some point, different levels, but um, you can tell when people start to tense up a little bit, and that's when the uh, the gamers come out. You know. It, Either you got a shitload of money or you got a shitload of game because okay. <laughs> otherwise well, what, you're what, did, balls. Uh, what did Lee Trevino said? He, he'd play for 10 bucks when he only has two bucks in his name or whatever it was. Famous yeah. quote. I completely fucked it up, but it's uh, <laughs> I think he said that long pr- pressure is playing for 10 bucks when you only have three bucks in your pocket. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yep. Um, that's, yeah, that's an all-time famous quote. Um, so... I'm piggybacking off at ease a little bit, but kind of having to do with competitive golf, but playing a practice round with your boys before a tournament. Like, uh, you know, if you've got buddies that are playing in the same events as you and you get to go out and just have a casual round, get to know the course if it's a place you've never played. And it's kind of one of the biggest beauties of it, in my opinion, is – when you're playing a practice round, it's kind of like the Cleveland Browns before they start the season. Like there's a chance they could go 17 and Oh, we all know it's not going to happen, but you're playing a practice round and you're like, Oh, I could win this bitch. Like I throw out, you know, name the score, but you're like, Oh, I feel really good about this week. And like, you may play well, you may not, but during the practice round, it's just all that optimism. Like I'm going to go ball out this week. Like I feel good. Your game feels good. You're relaxed. Usually you got a little money on the line with your buddies. Uh, maybe if it, even it's just dinner or drinks or whatever afterwards, but um, you're always kind of a little bit more laid back uh, the day before, just getting to know the course and you should be focusing, but sometimes you're not and you're just fucking off having a good time and, and just getting it around, seeing where the holes are and uh, where to hit it. And I think that's a pretty good time. Those are good rounds. Yeah, those are fun rounds. Those are where I thrive when the pressure's not on, but it's like a practice round. That's that's my shit right there. <laughs> that's where I that's where I peak usually. Um, I'm gonna hundred percent. I'm gonna roll back with my two back to back picks to finish it up. Um, so I'm gonna go with mini golf. Uh, we do have a mini golf tournament coming up here on Thursday at Rhino Country Club. But just the vibes around mini golf, these new places that they've created. It has to have a bar though. That is the that is the caveat here. Can't go to mini golf with like a family place. And I'm not saying that's not fun, but that's not what I'm talking about here. Got to have a bar. The vibes are off the charts, especially at Rhino Country Club, and a place like that where they've just revolutionized mini golf to make it so fun. Like places like Urban Putt and things like that. I, I think those are a blast. So that is my third round pick. And getting into my first fourth fourth round pick. Uh, fourth round, Wait, first pick. Excuse me. Real quick, um, I got to tell the story, and I don't know if Tuttle's listening or not. But when we were out at Urban Putt in San Francisco for the uh, before the Broncos Niners game, and we had been drinking all night, shocker, whatever. We, well, your buddy Will Manning was taking us around, showing us all the cool spots in San Fran. We decided to go to Urban Putt, and Tuttle was so fucked up, he started taking full swings, and it was like in this old house. He was just swinging the putter, like, full-ass swings, like, banging it off all the shit that they had all over the holes. Dude, dude, exactly. I was like, bro, we got to get out of here. Like, he's going to hurt somebody. We're going to have an insurance claim on our hands. But, yeah, the... (laughs) Yeah, needless fucking, needless to say, we played, we, we played four holes that day, and then we were out. 
Golf's yeah. a dangerous sport, I tell you. Hundred <laughs> percent. And then my first pick in the last round. This is maybe my peak golf. Uh, where I can really show my talents, but I don't have to be counted on to make any putts, and that's a scramble golf, like four-person <laughs> scramble, nothing better for me especially. Try to bomb and gouge it, hit driver wherever I want on every hole that I shouldn't hit, and worry about some 12 handicap knocking in a 12-footer for birdie. It's perfect for me. Yeah, yeah. Spencer definitely thrives under scramble golf. That is his, uh, his vibe. Yeah, I mean... The only problem uh, with scrambles for me, you know, you, you be with your foursome and you guys are out there and you feel like you just came in and, you know, you shot 58 or whatever, you're all psyched. Everybody's like, oh, we won this thing. We won this thing. And then some chumps come in, they shot like 24 under. It's like, what the hell happened? Yeah, there's definitely some baggers out there. And when string and mulligans get involved, you just never know what the fuck number's coming uh, in. The mollies, man. The mollies, they'd be flying. But e, what, I, do, you, e, what do you think... Uh, like four tour guys would shoot in a scramble. No mollies? No mollies, <laughs> no string, no nothing, just straight up. Oh, man. I mean, you got to think if the par fives are reachable, they're going to eagle all the par fives, if not three out of four. So, yeah, I mean, probably 50 I don't know, 56 or below. I mean, they're, they're going to break 60. There's no doubt about that. Oh, 18 to 22 under minimum. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Cause I remember, um, the, probably the most I ever got absolutely shit kicked in a scramble was by, um, Doug's Doug Gims team down in Florida when we were in high school. Oh, man. Uh, he was on the team and then, Another kid that played at UC Berkeley and then another kid that played at like North Texas. And they shot 22 under. Um, I think our team, you know, and that's a tough thing with scrambles is like there's so little room for error because 18 under feels relatively pedestrian when you have four good players. Yeah. Um, but then making it to 22, like even in those fives is really where that challenge comes in. Um, well, there's a there's a famous scramble in Orlando every year right around the PGA show. And uh, I'm trying to think where it was played. I played it once. And Do they have it at Seminole? No, it's not at Seminole. It's anyone can sign up. Um, okay. AT, it's like, I don't know, 500, 600 bucks a man. But okay. winning team takes anywhere from 10 to 20 grand, and that doesn't include side bets. And I remember when I played, there were a lot of tour players playing. Uh, Graham McDowell's team actually won it. And um, that, if I could pull up the results somehow, you would get a feel of what tour players shoot a scramble. Because, like, a lot of tour players showed up to that one. Every year they do. So anybody out there listening that can assemble a good team and want to try to make some big money in Orlando, I think it's uh, sometime in January. That You'll see the tour players out for that one. So that's, that's sick. Yeah, that's, that's sick, dude. That sounds unreal. Yeah, that might be the only time four tour players will get together for a scramble. Right? So, I mean, the money's on the line. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so my last pick, I'm, I feel like I may be running out of things a little bit. Uh, my low-hanging fruit here is going to be drunk golf, uh, where you're just – you, you know, you're playing like middle of the day, you start hitting it. Or it's like Saturday morning, beginning of the weekend golf, I guess is a better way to put it, um, where 
you don't have to worry about the going to work the next day. You've got the next day off. You save the Sunday scaries for tomorrow. Uh, you walk into the, the uh, lounge or the bar beforehand. You all grab a shot and a cocktail. Well, and that's, dude, that's pretty much what I did down at uh, um, fucking Phoenix Country Club. And real quick, I got to tell the story about the Bevcart chick at uh, Phoenix Country Club because she, 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 I feel like it wasn't her fault, but she got me a little off the rails um, because that first night I ordered shots. So I started with like a vodka cranberry. Then we got some seltzers. Um, but like one shot per nine, I'm usually good. If I drink like three seltzers in a shot per nine, um, I'm definitely tipsy, but I'm, I, I can operate. Like I can play some pretty good golf. So I ordered that first round and I asked for three and she goes, you mean four? And <laughs> I was like, what the, and I couldn't put two and two together. And then she was saying she wanted one. Um, so she, uh, I was like, sure, get yourself one, like whatever. So we took the shot and then we see her get on the back nine. She's like visibly drunk. Like she was definitely having a a fun day out there. And like her, like, like, uh, she had socks, like leg length socks on. What are those called? Those like knee high socks or whatever. She was just a different cat. But then, so I, I'm like, Hey, can I get four fireball shots? Cause I was ordering one for her and she pours five. And then she goes, I'm not taking it. Like you got, somebody's got to take it. And you're, you have too much classy and it, with it being your club, you're like, I can't do it. Like I'll take one, but I can't take two. I can't be shit based. So of course me being me, I'm like, yeah, I'll take it, dude. Like whatever. Down so down. yeah, I threw two, two fireball shots down back to back on the back nine. And that's what fucking cooked me. Um, I know. A big tip. <laughs> right. Exactly. She was a, she was hustling. I respect the hustle, but yeah, I got, I got pretty fucking wasted out there, but yeah, I mean, there's just nothing better than a Saturday morning round where not a care in the world. You're just going out, having a blast and, uh, you know, you're maybe you win a little money or lose a little money, but at the end of the day, you just had a good time with your boys. Well, on that note question, you got a foursome and you're in the foursome and your boys get to the 18th green and everybody's fucked up. Where is Mitchell? <laughs> Where in the world um, is Mitchell Smith? Check the tracking device. <laughs> it could be anywhere, boys. See, dude, but usually, like, the, the difference is on the golf course, I'm usually the babysitter because I'm, like, the one that knows golf, uh, relatively speaking, you know? Um, all my other buddies are just degenerate, like, ex-baseball hockey players. Uh, they don't really know how to conduct themselves on the golf course, so shockingly enough when we're on the course i'm usually the most buttoned up of my buddies unless yeah. i'm with you like i know you know what you're doing so now then i'm like the shitty one that you gotta babysit but oh, usually I, with my, that. Good ambassador. I try to you know i try to be a good steward of the course and not look like a total fucking idiot because usually i'm either playing for free or you know whatever if i was paying my money i wouldn't really give a shit but Usually I get invited by somebody or, you know, I'm playing wherever for, for free. So I can't be a total asshole when I'm out on the golf course, but usually everywhere else it works pretty well. So, yeah. All right. Uh, e, yeah, e, my, your last pick. Last. The yeah, last pick here. Um, Mr. Irrelevant, say, the last pick of the draft. This is a big one. Uh, <laughs> well, to go kind of off the uh, putt-putt, 
and, and, and between real golf, as some would call it, um, there's some great par three courses out there. And God damn it, dude. I forgot. I should have taken that. I fucking forgot about it, but I love <laughs> par three courses. Well, I mean, you can just, you know, grab a putter, grab a couple wedges and leave the bag in the car and just walk out there, you know, grab a, grab a beer or a drink and uh, just, you can walk, you can ride a lot of these, a lot of these par three courses, but man, I've had a blast playing some of these and, and now they're popping up everywhere. Good ones. Uh, Pinehurst number two or, or Pinehurst resort. They just built one called the cradle and they're, they're doing so they're killing it out there. You know, all these guys going out there for a, a guy's trip and you play 18 holes at one of the Pinehurst or, or somewhere else. And then, you know, seven o'clock at night, you go over there and play a quick nine or 18. Um, those par three courses are awesome and, and you can, you can play fast. And, um, so I would say, yeah, that's, that's definitely my last pick. I'd, take take a par three course any day so that was a great God pick it, and that, one i definitely had like, that should have been taken much earlier <laughs> yeah that was a good one. good one what e real quick what's your favorite par three course i know i've asked you what your favorite is of everything so i might as well ask you favorite all-time par three course you know there's uh there's a par three course at the olympic club and a lot of people don't know about it it's called the cliffs and it's it's on the cliffs um, it's like a mini pebble beach of par three golf. And, uh, I mean, talk about views and just a epic, epic little par three course. Um, so that's, that's gotta be number one. Um, and then, you know, we used to play South suburban par three, um, back in the day there in Colorado. And I mean, I know it's not like blow, won't blow you away, but man, that's a fun little par three course. I've probably played that a hundred times. So that's uh, that's always one I think about when I think about par three courses. Talk yeah. about a fucking jump! You're going from Olympic Club, like top yeah, I know, 20, right? Top twenty <laughs> in America to South Suburban with the most jank fucking greens in the state. Um, I, Just but, good time. hey, that's a place yeah. you you grab a twelve pack and go. Yeah. Oh, for sure, dude. And that's the thing too is with a lot of this stuff, it comes down to your the the good memories you made. Like it's not necessarily Definitely. the place; it's who you're with and and just thinking, like reminiscing about the the simpler times in life when your biggest worry was going to a party on a Friday night in, in high school or whatever, and making sure you didn't get caught drinking by your parents. Like that, there's something electric yeah. about that. You know, things you can do at South Suburban Par Three Course that you can't do at Olympic Club. But I think <laughs> I still got kicked off South Sub back in the day once or twice. One one day, my buddy, we were on what the hole right by the road, and he's taking practice swings toward the road. And he accidentally gets a little bit too deep, takes a big old T-bone steak divot. Thing flies out into the road, smacks right on this guy's windshield, flat. Lands on the guy's windshield, this, this big-ass divot. So that was, <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget that. And, of course, oh, they got pulled into the pro shop. And, you know, the kid didn't know what he was doing. He was just taking practice things. But <laughs> that's, good times. That's, awesome. that's fucking hilarious. Well, E, thanks so much for joining us, dude. This is awesome. I'm excited to watch the Open. Hopefully one of our picks cashes through, um, and we can get post this and, and gloat all weekend about picking a major winner. But real quick, dude, before we get out of here, plug your company, tell the people what you're doing, where they can find you, all that stuff. Yeah, so a little bit uh, out of the golf industry, but I got into produce, and uh, we supply some smaller restaurants and food trucks and all kinds of people that – 
need food commercially and uh, got into food processing down here in Arizona. So, you know, if you're in Arizona, we got great produce. And, uh, you know, I think I can do this and, and have make a little bit of consistent money because uh, it's hard enough grinding it out on the mini tours. But, uh, yeah, Crown Produce. Crown Produce is our company, and uh, we, we, we process and, uh, you know, we do diced tomatoes and diced onions and shredded lettuce and all kinds of stuff, all the way to juices. And we're trying to help people out with uh, labor labor costs and waste costs and equipment costs. So deliver it right to the restaurant. They can open it up and start using it. So love that's, that. what, that's what I'm doing. Love that, dude. Where can they, is it, where can they find you website-wise, Instagram, Facebook? And so, your... yeah, Crown Produce, uh, Instagram or uh, website is the best part, best uh, place to reach us, uh, crownproduce.solutions or crownproducesolutions.com. Either one of those works. So, yeah, check it out. Fuck yeah, dude. dude. I, I will say you have one of the most fire logos I've ever seen. Like, I would... I would legitimately rock that logo. I appreciate it. You've given us golf tees. You've given us a few things, but I need like, I need a rope hat with Crown Produce on it because I would rock that all the time. Oh, I got hats. Don't you worry. Yeah, dude, that that logo is undefeated, bro. <laughs> I'll bring a couple up next time I see you guys. Love Hell that. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, E. This has been awesome, man. And uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll get 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 you back on again at some point. Do a little more. Uh, talking about some golf because i know the stories you got could uh, supply our pod for months well thanks for having me guys and uh if anybody goes over to scotland or england or ireland make sure you don't rent a car and you get a driver because i made that mistake and you don't want to be driving on the wrong side of the road and the wrong side of the car and you oh. don't even know what could happen so save yourself a <laughs> trip to the hospital good call good call bro Wor- <laughs> words, you, of, words of the wise from eric Hallberg. peace brother see you guys